Today, uh, unlike usual, I'm not going to talk about finance or money or any of those things. Uh, I'm going to talk about blessings. Um, most of the time we'll spend in Genesis chapter 1, so it'll be easy to find. Um, and what I want to talk about is, you know, blessings are all around us. Some of them we see, some of them we don't. Some are big, some are small. Uh, but what we forget sometimes is, I think, how many we have. And some of them almost seem natural to the point where they just happen and we don't even realize they are happening. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking, actually, if we took a step back and started making a list and really thought about it, there's probably so many that we can't even count them. They're, all, they're everywhere. Uh, and I know there was a, 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 um, there's this, a person who's really special to a lot of people in this church. And he actually came up with a term called mega blessings. And I, I, I have to think that that was about really hitting home the fact of how many blessings we have. Uh, mega means one million, right? So it's from the, the Latin term. And, and that's how we get a megabyte. And we can say our computer has 300 megabytes. Um, and uh, so it's a million. And I'm thinking, you know, it's probably a million squared. So we get so, so many blessings, it's a million times a million, plus maybe a few more. So <clears throat> what I really want to talk about a lot of this is things that we don't realize. You know, we can think about blessings, and some of them are very evident to us. Like we'll say, hey... Uh, you know, something really good happened to me today. I, you know, I got a new job, and, or uh, I found something that had been lost for a long time, or a family member came home, or you know, something that gets us really excited. And, uh, and we, we say, wow, I'm really blessed. And we, we know it's happening. It's right at the forefront of our thoughts. And then sometimes we have blessings that are kind of commingled with our everyday life. And a lot of those are, the, are links to people. And, and it could be a family. Uh, a, a family member who helps us when we have a hard time, or they, you know, they 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 bail us out when something bad's happening, uh, or it, it may be good friends, you know, who has a special talent that can help you over a, a trouble spot, you know, or uh, or you got to move the couch and there's nobody around and you can call your friend and they'll they'll help you move that heavy couch. So those are all blessings, you know. You, you have a church family that can carry you, you know. You you might just need to get. Lift it up a little bit, you know, and the, and the church family can do that. They can rally around you and, and lift you. So those are a lot of the things that we see and, and we can be conscious of. But then there's also the th things that don't happen to us. And we kind of forget about those things that could happen but didn't. You know, you didn't get sick, you know, or you didn't have a car accident. You know, God kind of steps in there and maybe pushes us out of the way. You know, we dodged the bullet. We, we didn't get hit by the speeding train. Um, we don't even know those things are happening, but they do. They happen to us every day, and we just, it just goes on in the background. You know, so those are a lot of the, you know, blessings that, that we see and don't see. But... There's also the kind where, you know how you want something to happen and it doesn't? You really want to buy that house, or you really want this job, or you really want to go out with somebody, or you, know, you really want to win that prize, and then you don't win, 
you don't, it doesn't happen. You didn't buy the house, you didn't get the job, you didn't do this. And then later on, you, you step back and you, years and years later and you say, uh, well, I'm glad that didn't happen. Or, you know, m my life got a lot better now. Can you imagine if I had bought that house or had won that prize? Um, you, know, you hear all those stories, right? People win the, 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 the lottery and they, and they get all excited and their life goes down the tubes, you know? So those are the things we don't realize. God sometimes saves us from ourselves. You know, I, I can tell you, yeah. You know, I, I've got dozens of times I say to myself, I was really mad when this didn't happen. And 10 years later, I'm really happy. You know, so those are the things that, you know, again, go on. And these are all the blessings that just all kind of swirl around in our lives. And we don't, we don't realize that those things are happening. And then we've got some really huge blessings that we experience every day that we don't even really think about. We don't even almost don't know they're happening, but they are. And we definitely would know if they weren't happening. And it's almost to the point where you'd say, well, it's natural. That's, you know, it's so natural that the sun comes up in the morning, you know, or it's just natural that it's warm out. But, you know, those are, the natural state is actually the opposite. You know, dark is a natural state. There's, you don't have to add dark to anything. You have to add light, or you take light away. You don't have to add cold to something, you know. You, you add heat, or you take heat away. Um, and then life itself. I mean, you know, you, there's a lot of planets. There's more stars in the sky than there are grains of sand on the beach. And I'm not just saying that. That's true. Out of all that, you'd think there'd be life all over the place. But the government actually sends out, believe it or not, radio signals trying to find some life, and nobody ever answers. There's no one, there's no one home. So all these things go on. And you know, all that life in one is overcoming the natural state of nothingness, of lifelessness. And then, of course, the sin. That's all natural, right? You don't have to try. You don't have to be taught it. You know, it just happens. And so God adds things in our lives that overcome these things. You know, he added light. He had, and, of course, with light comes heat. And he added life. And then he gave us a, a savior so we could overcome sin. So all these blessings... Again, these are huge blessings that we don't realize. We, again, we think they're natural, but it's, it's overcoming the natural. So let's talk a little bit more about, I'll, I'll go deeper into all of these, okay? So first we talk about the creation itself. And that we'll, we'll start in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. We start right in the beginning. And if you flip to that, <clears throat> you read in verses 1 and 2, it says... In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now the earth was formless and empty. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's, it, you can have planets, but they're empty. There's nothing there. It's dust. And there was darkness over the surface of the deep. Okay, That's the natural state. Black. Thick, heavy, black, nothing. So... 
if we think about it, that's where God starts. He starts with, you know, a planet. He starts with the stars and whatnot. He starts with, with the universe, the heavens and, and the earth. So let, let, let's talk about dark. And if we stay right in Genesis, <clears throat> if we look at, you know, verse 1-3, again, dark's the natural state. God's going to overcome it. So God says, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated light from darkness. Now, Pastor hit on this a couple of weeks ago, right? You ever been, that, ever been in darkness? It's real black, heavy. You got your little flashlight. Now, if you've been through these storms, right, you've probably had no power at one point or another. And that little flashlight lighting up this little orb around you, but everything else is pitch black. Or you're way out in the woods somewhere, and, and you just stand there, and it just kind of consumes everything. There's nothing. It's just total, total darkness. Our puny lights, or you're driving down a dark road, and you've got headlights, and they just seem like they get absorbed. The black's just sucking up all the headlights. You can't barely see. That's the darkness that we have if God didn't say, let there be light. The, the darkness would be heavy, thick, black. Our puny stuff couldn't overcome any of it. You know, we'd light up a little sliver somewhere. Um, we could never create light that could light up a whole, you know, a whole uh, state or country or ocean. You know, we, we're, it's impossible for us to create that kind of light. So God is truly the light of the world. <clears throat> and if we, again, we stay in Genesis chapter 1, we look at verse 14. He said, let the lights in the vault of the sky be separate from day and night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times, the days and the years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light to the earth. And it was so. So God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars, and God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. Now, if you've been around and outside this week, you've noticed we've got a full moon that's really bright. And, you know, I, I usually get up pretty early, and, uh, you know, you look out in the backyard, and it almost looks like there's a light on. You know, the, the, the grass is glowing a little bit. The, you know, the trees are kind of lit up a little bit. It almost looks like a sunrise, but it's, you know, four in the morning or something. So even the moonlight is vast compared to the kind of light that we ourselves can create. And, and you can see the power that, that God has to create immense amounts of light all around us. Now, I had also talked about, you know, heat. And with light comes heat, right? The sun makes a lot of heat, or stars make a lot of heat. And cold is actually a, a natural state. You, you can never add cold to anything. You take the heat out. And I know this is probably a wise guy or two that might say, oh, my AC adds cold. But um, actually, in physics, the, the AC removes heat. That's why you get the heat blown off the back of the AC unit. It's sucking the heat out of the air, and then it blows what's left back in the room. That's the cold air. Uh, so I won't bore you with all the, you know, how that works. But, um, you know, the bottom line is everything 
is, is naturally cold. You have to add heat to get any heat outside or inside or anywhere has to be added. Now, if there was no heat at all, we would get this thing called absolute zero. And, and that's a concept that physicists use and that basically says if, if there is no heat whatsoever in the universe, not a sun, not a star, not a, not a, a light bulb, nothing in the universe, the natural temperature would be 460 degrees below zero, okay? Now, if you want to know how cold that is, all motion stops. The atoms themselves, the little, the little um, e e electrons and whatnot that circle in the atom, those actually stop moving. Molecules stop moving. Everything crystallizes. And that's what we would have if we had no heat and no light. We'd have a, a ball of ice that's just ice crystal. The oceans would freeze solid. Everything would be super brittle. That's, that's one of those things almost like you see on, on, on TV where you know, something's so cold you touch it and it just shatters. That's the crystals. And that's what would happen if we had no heat at all. And we, we can't make enough heat to overcome that kind of cold. Absolute zero is so cold, you know, a campfire, none of that's going to overcome it. You couldn't even start a campfire. The, the molecules couldn't get excited enough to create the flame. So God does us a favor and gives us heat so we can live. Now, if you think about it, we as living creatures are pretty weak in the temperature range of things. You know, we can, without protective clothing and stuff, what can we survive between maybe 50 and 100 degrees? Anything other than that, we're either going to freeze to death or we'll have some kind of heat. Uh, I don't know what to call it, but when, uh, you know, when, when, you, when you expire from, from excessive heat. If you think about it, even single-celled little bacteria and whatnot can survive from sub-zero temperatures up to maybe 200 degrees. So you get this huge range, and, and here we are. We can only survive between 50 and 100. Or we have to create some artificial type of environment, or we have to get protective clothing, you know? We, we as people, are that weak that we've got this much temperature range, but the, the temperatures can range, think about it, absolute zero, 460 degrees below zero. Conceptually, I think the hottest thing, I figure some, you know, 10 to the one millionth power or something as far as the high end of heat, that's a huge range, and somewhere we're a little sliver of, 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 we have a little sliver of survivability in that whole big range. So we're very fortunate that God gives us a planet that can heat and cool itself just right and get us in that temperature range that we can live. Because without any of that, what would we have? Again, just a, a black ice ball. That's, that's all we would have. <clears throat> And if we continue, you know, we get the miracle of life, right? Remember when I started, I said, you know, the natural state is lifelessness. And if you look around at all the planets, right, you look at even the close ones, Venus, which is similar in size to the Earth, right, Mars, even the moon, which isn't that far away. What happens? They're just dust balls, right? They're conceivably should have have enough going on that they could have some life or something. There's nothing. 
And that's where God says to us, uh, again, in Genesis, we go to chapter 20, and God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth and across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of, of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and it moves about in it according to their kinds. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water of the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. So what I'm getting at here is Without God, you get lifelessness, the natural state. With God, God breathes life into things. And what's really amazing is once God breathes life into something, you can't put it down. You, you can, if, if you're in your garden, you can pull weeds out, they come right back. Right? You can go out in your yard, you can cut a tree down, and in, in just a few weeks, what happens? A bunch of sprouts start coming out. In a year, it starts looking like a tree again. You, you can't stop it. So if you think of how powerful this is, if you get to a place that has no life, like if we go to, say you go to Mars, right? You couldn't create life on Mars if, no matter what you tried. You could, you know, you can do all, you can plant seeds, you could even bring some water and it's not gonna happen. So when there's no life, we certainly can't create it. But when, the, when God breathes life into something, it, you can't stop it. It just keeps happening. And if you read this, what, what does God say? Be fruitful, multiply. You know, the creatures of the earth should um, be fruitful, increase. The oceans will teem with life. And nowhere else, th there isn't any. You know, this is, this is one of those miracles. We don't look around every day and say, oh, wow, there's a lot of life out there. You have trees, grass. I mean, it, there's more life in the yard over here than on every planet in the solar system. You know, every planet in the universe, there's more life right outside this window. But I don't think we stop too often. We don't say, hey, you know, we get a, um, you know, a lot of life around us. That, that in itself is a miracle. You know, that's, that's a true blessing. And even if you, if you look around the planet here, you know, we get harsh climates, right? You get deserts, temperature gets to be 140, and then you got the poles, which are frozen solid, but yet there's bacteria that lives on those poles, and there's life in the desert, there's you know, snakes or scorpions or, or cactus, or there's other living creatures that have found a way to live in that harsh environment. But you leave Earth, nothing happening. So it just shows you the, the power that God has. You know, if we look at the moon, is about 235,000 miles away. I mean, a lot of us drive a car that far, right? We have, we've had cars probably that have close to 235,000 miles on them at one point or another. That's not that far, but there's nothing there. It's just a dust ball. There's nothing happening. <clears throat> so why is that? You know, why are all the other planets just dust? I, I have to think, again, it's because... God chose this is the place. This is the place he would breathe life into. You know, and physicists, a lot of times they wrestle with this stuff. You know, is it random selection, random chance, random this, random that? Um, 
And Einstein said, and I know Pastor picks on Einstein sometimes. I'm not sure where he's getting his stuff, but he always had this fascination with, he used to argue with other physicists that why, why, why couldn't it be a God factor in things? And, and, and he actually stated, one of his quotes was, the more I study the universe, the more I'm convinced that something truly divine runs through it. You know, he, he was very, very convinced that, I don't know what time it is. He was, he was very, very convinced that, um, that there was something truly more powerful than just nature happening. There was something going on there. Um, and he would, he would actually argue with other physicists about this stuff. So if you notice, God can take dust and make it into life. And again, staying in Genesis, we go to Genesis 2.7. And it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. You know, that's, that's the blessing. We don't, we don't think about it when we wake up that, you know, hey, I'm alive because something got added to the, to the earth. That didn't happen all by itself. So my theory is what's physically impossible is God possible. You know, and like, like I said, you, when there's no life, you can't make it happen. Uh, God can, though. You know, and, and, you know, again, the wise guy might sit back and say, well, yeah, you know, I could make a bubble on the moon and, and make, grow some stuff and have some cattle. I can do all that. But if you think about it, all, you're doing, all, all that person's doing is bringing the blessings of earth along for the ride. They're just moving them. They didn't create anything. So that's why I say, you know, when, when, when we get busy and we forget, you know, it's good to just take a step back and say, well, you know, these, these blessings are all around us. And now the, the biggest blessing of all, which is the, the blessing of blessings, is the, the salvation that we were given. Because again, sin's a natural state. Don't have to add it. The only thing you could do, actually not us, but the only thing that can be done is to take sin away. And, you know, we have, we're given the blessing of salvation through a Savior. And that's a really, really hard thing to do. And that's kind of how I'll wrap things up. But, you know, in Mark 2.9, Jesus says, Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk? You know, so what Jesus is saying there is, you know, taking away somebody's sin is not some easy, you know, simple thing to do. That's not something any of us can do. So what makes it so hard? Like, why, why, why is it that Jesus had to come and, and, and take sin? Why, why can't we, if we know it's bad, why, 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 why can't we just push it out of ourselves? You know, and... The way I think of it, sin is pollution. You know, it's kind of like taking polluted water. You know, how do you take that stuff out? You need a filter, right? Well, Jesus is the filter. Jesus is the one that purizes the water. 
We couldn't sit here and pluck out one sin at a time and get anywhere. So, you know, it's woven in like fabric, you know. Could you sit there and pull the, the threads out of your sweater? What would happen, you know? You, you, you can't unweave it. It's, it's embedded in our lives. And that's, and that's why you need the power of, of Jesus to come down and say, hey, I will take on your sin. Now, for Jesus to do that, again, more miracles, more blessings, First, Jesus had to separate from God because we know God can't come in contact with sin because, again, it's pollution. God comes in contact with sin, now he's polluted. It's like if you took distilled water, you took a picture of, of that, and you got pure distilled water, and you put in one drop of mud, and what happens? The whole thing becomes brown and polluted. So God can't come in contact with sin because it's, it's, it's poison. So Jesus had to separate from God, which is, that's, a bad enough thing. And then on top of that, he had to take on all the sins of the world. You know, the sin of every single person, he had to take that on. And I'll fast forward, to, we'll spend the rest of the time in Psalm 22. I'll give you a second to get there. It should be somewhere about in the middle of the, the Bible somewhere. But um, if you go to Psalm 22, and then stay there, because we'll, I'm going to do a few things in that. But <coughs> Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? And, you know, that's where Jesus had to stand alone and take on the sin. So can you imagine the abuse it takes to, the, to take on all these things? You know, the anguish, it's just the, the pain of it all. And then if we fast forward to, again, Psalm 22, but now we go to verse 23. It says, you who fear the Lord praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him, revere him, all you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. Now, when I read that, I guess you could read that a couple different ways. When I read that, I say to myself, Jesus was afflicted with our sins. And he took on what ails everyone else. He took on their problems. Now, if you want to imagine how that must feel, have you ever taken on someone else's problems? Even one person? Well, now you got your own problems, and now you just took on somebody else's problem. And you didn't take on all their problems. You probably took on one of their problems. Well, have you ever had a situation where you take on the problems of three or four people? And now you've got your problems plus three more people or four people. What happens? It'll blow your life up. You, you, your head's spinning, you're tired, you can't sleep, you're jolted, you're anxious. That's only three or four people. And you're only taking on a couple of their problems. What about Jesus taking on countless billions? What would that do to, to, to someone? I mean, that's, 
that's just one of those things we, we couldn't do. We couldn't even imagine taking on all those problems. And if you, if you think about it, and people have shown these pictures, the president has a pretty high-stress job, takes on problems in the country, you know, is responsible for some of the problems in the world. You ever see a president after eight years? They look like they aged about 40, okay? So you can imagine Jesus, again, billions of problems, heavy sin, the worst sin imaginable, just taking it on. You know, another visual that I think of is um, a few years ago, I think it was right up here, we, we did a, like a little mini talent show. We had to sketch. And Alex had come up and had gone to the doctor. And then every person who came into the doctor, whatever was wrong with them, Alex took on. He, he got the same problem. So there was somebody that came in twitching, and he started twitching. And there was somebody coughing, he started coughing. There was somebody scratching, he started scratching. There was somebody yelling, he started yelling. And after like four people, he was a mess. So you can imagine, again, taking on all the vast, you know, endless amounts of, of sin and problems and, and uh, countless pieces of darkness. So now you can see why Jesus says, why are you so far from my cries of anguish? And he says, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. And, and that's what it is. Jesus is, is filled with anguish and, and afflicted with sin. And all that was done to save us. All that was done voluntarily. So how blessed are we to have a savior like this? You know, uh, again, I'll stay in Psalms, in Psalm 22. This is uh, verse 25. And it says, from you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. And that's Jesus vowed that he would save us. So before those who fear God, he will fulfill his vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. You know, and that's why you say, you know, when you find Jesus, you find life. You know, you don't, there is no death. You've overcome it. You know, and, and Jesus made that vow and, and he brought himself together and, and, and fed the poor right? and brought up the weak and, and really brought us to a place where we don't have to live in fear and darkness and, and uh, cold and suffering and sin. And you know, all these things were done for us because we're not powerful enough to do it ourselves. So... With all that in mind, again, the, the theme here is, is just the endless, countless blessings that, again, we, we kind of forget about. You know, it's just too easy. It happens automatically, so we don't realize it's not really automatic. God had to do something to make that happen, you know. Jesus had to do something to make that happen. So I'll, I'll leave you with this tip. And the tip is at night, you know when you're laying down and you're not quite asleep yet and you, things are running through your head and you're thinking about tomorrow and all this stuff? You know, 
probably be a big help to you getting a good night's sleep if you stop and think about all your blessings. Think about the big and small stuff in your life, the, the good things that happen, the bad things that don't happen to you that could. And you'll get this feeling of gratitude, you know, and that gratitude, it opens your heart and it relaxes you, it unwinds you. You don't need to watch TV to relax. You know, you don't have to, um, you know, some, some people have this crutch. Oh, I got to do this to relax. Right? Every day I, have, I need quiet time to relax. I need this. Just have some gratitude for your blessings. Really think about that as you're going to fall asleep. And when it opens your heart, you, you just have this peace about you. You don't have to worry about tomorrow and all that. And, you know, if, if you don't want to do that, you don't think that's a good idea. I mean, you could always think about your to-do list, you know, and you could uh, war- make a list of what, think about what worries you or what your problems are coming tomorrow. Um, for me, I, I like to lay down and say, hey, you know, I, I get a lot of blessings. And I'm, uh, I am, uh, I'm grateful for all of these things. Okay, Let, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for all your blessings we thank you for your seamless gifts of, of life and, and light and, and, uh, and, and salvation. We thank you for taking the evil out of our lives, finding us a way to get close to you. We thank you for breathing life into us here on earth and letting the, the seas teem with creatures and the air be filled with birds and, and man to have rain over the earth. We thank you for all these countless blessings. We love you and praise you through Jesus. Amen.